There are two men sitting on a hilltop in an internment camp in the far canyons of Utah. This camp is for the sick, not just the sick, but the quarantined, so infectious that those who are infected are considered pre-dead, according to the government. The camp only supports 50 occupants at a time. In fact, residents kill one another when new arrivals come, trying to live for one more week, hoping for a cure. The two men on the hill stare into the distance as a new bus full of sick people are coming, Tolliver and Gray. They know that they are too sick to fight this time. Their illness has consumed them entirely. So this moment, here on the hill, will be the last conversation of their lives. And what they talk about will forever change their life until death. The camp is nicknamed Elephant Graveyard. And it is also the title to my story. I'm Tasha Wheelhouse, and this is Copper Shock. It's coming, isn't it? Gray asked. It's coming, Tolliver reflected. It's the old adage to a more literal term, he continued as Gray turned to face him. Meaning what? Let the dead bury the dead. Tolliver spat a wad of dry saliva from his crusting, peeling lips. It was a thick sludge. Its color had been tinged a burnt orange as it mixed with the desert sand. Gray began itching his arm casually as he watched Tolliver's freshly spat slime curl itself down the slope, stretching thinner as it went. <gasps> Gray flinched as he accidentally popped one of his sores with his nail. It spewed a small ooze of brown. I didn't have these last week. You probably got it from someone else here at the elephant graveyard. Yes thought Gray. This designated camp for the diseased, this place for the undesirable living, a place to send those who are a canker to the world and must be cut out. Gray rubbed off the pus and continued to stare in the distance with Tolliver. Then he saw it, just around the corner of the mountain as it did before when they first arrived. It was a beastly looking vehicle with red stripes down the side. The metal around the wheel roared and echoed up the mountainside toward them in the distance. It has finally come. A bus full of more infected, more of those who are about to pass away and by law must be disposed of in a safe manner. After all the posters, the voice spots, and the television inspirational announcements, no cure was found. It was determined by some that this new disease was an act of God and therefore would not have a cure. The one god for every member of the encampment was the bus trailing its dust toward the elephant graveyard, augural and full of vengeance. How many do you think? Gray said aloud. Tolliver spat again at the ground. It was a civil war when the bus got here. We had a big group then, do you remember? You think those guys on that there bus even understand? No, I didn't. Tolliver blinked, then looked at the ground. Gray glanced down the hillside behind him to the main camp. A large cement platform covered by an open metal roof sat lamely over the red rocks. North of it were the remnants of an enclosed brick and mortar building with a long chimney prodding at the sky. I said, do you remember? Yeah, I heard you. It's a sick joke it is. 
I've never seen anything like it. It's funny, you'll hear about murders on the news all the time, but you'll never see a dead body unless it's in a mortuary laid down with respect. I can't believe I didn't get hurt or worse. If you hadn't have killed that kid who'd come at me from behind, I would have been firewood in the chimney building long ago. What's odd is that building reminds me of an abandoned factory I'd drive by on my way to Indianapolis. Tolliver stayed quiet. His brow creased into a stern look. Gray brushed off Tolliver, ignoring him, and continued. Back in Indiana, my little girl and I loved to visit the city. Her favorite place to eat was always this terrible diner with the most fatty burgers you'd ever eat on the East Coast. Steak and shake. The chili cheese fries had a pool of grease that I swore would be eaten through the cardboard container to the table by the time we finished them. Then right after, I'd walk off the heartburn by the White River that flowed through the center of town. The best was at night in the summers. Around this time of year, actually. She and I would be sitting on the porch, tasting the humid air, listening to the creak of the swing. Her feet would dangle over the edge of the seat, and I'd rock us forward and backward. Fireflies would drift off in the distance of the fields, and she'd call them the special summer snow. Because I guess it reminded her of glowing, blinking snowflakes. I mean, who can really explain the logic of a kid, huh? I sure do miss her. Tolliver sat for a second, then reared his head back, laughing, his lips chopped and spiked from the dried cracked skin on them. Tasting the humid air, Tolliver said with a mocking deep voice to mimic Gray's. Gray felt sheepish and picked up a rock half the size of his palm and began to rub the smooth surface with his thumb and forefinger. Tolliver inhaled a lasting breath, letting it go. Shut up, Gray said forcefully. You're thinking of home? This is home now. Fifty. That's the magic number. And as many beds as we got, how much rations per day, and there's no sharing. You'd kill me if you thought I was better off dead before that bus got here, before it starts bloodbath part two. Although I could kill you first. I'd finally get that bunk farther from the open side so I'd avoid all that desert rain. Tolliver gave a dark, sarcastic smile. I'm a reasonable man. I know I'm not too far along in this disease to really put up much of a fight. The bus will come, and I'll take up room in the incinerator this time around. I think it's time I just put myself first in line. Tolliver coughed. Gray was not amused by this speech and remained focused on the stone in his palm. Tolliver continued. You know what we are to the rest of the world now. Walking dead is too cliche a phrase to use, but in this instance, admit it. It's a perfect fit. Your daughter, you really think she'll take you back and still love you for the diseased misery that you are right now? Tolliver's smile was eerie and full of gloom. He looked toward the direction of the dirt road and the small metal bus that was slowly and subtly growing bigger. You don't ever think about home? No, Gray, I don't. Tolliver said with curt finality, looking away from the road to the sky. Moments passed. I'm someone who can't let go of the past. I still somehow feel like I've got a future ahead of me. You seem to approach this elephant graveyard like it's a 
duty, destiny, or set path you're doomed to go down, so you do it with dignity. I admire you for it. Even when our bus got here, I, I couldn't kill for my life. So you killed for the both of us. Some good it did us. Tolliver burst out yelling, throwing a fistful of sand in front of him. Gray's expression turned into alarm, scooting away from Tolliver a few inches. Tolliver continued to speak. I'm flattered, Gray. But I don't know what's so dignified to you. I hate myself. Tolliver turned his haggard body and dry, cracked lips toward Gray, revealing hardship and exhaustion in his eyes. Tolliver turned away again, wrapping his arms around his torso tightly, slowly rocking himself. His voice was no longer strong and decisive, but that of feeble dismay. I have never done anything like that before. Every part of my human heart told me to let go of that teenager's neck. He squirmed and scratched at me, and I held fast, pressing him into the dust. Tolliver took a shuddered breath. The worst was when he tried calling out. Tolliver stopped rocking. Taking out his hands, he stared at his filthy skin, studying them, rubbing them together rigorously as if he wanted to scrub out the feeling in them. I could sense his Adam's apple, gurgling and shifting under my palms. When he finally went limp, the knuckles on my hands were white. Blood squeezed out of my fist, ringed around his larynx. I remember how cold my fingers felt until I let him go. Then all the blood circulated back to them. I never forgot that feeling. Tolliver put his hands around his body, hugging himself tightly. Gray's hand had enclosed around his rock, the curves digging into his skin as he listened intently to Tolliver's confessional. Really, take a long look at this broken man you've clung to in this place. Describe to me what you see. Tolliver's voice was soft and pleading, his head bent in sorrow. Gray looked Tolliver over. His skin was tan, but lacked a healthy brown look. It was thin and peeled in spots, balding him down to almost raw meat red from the sun and open sores. His clothes were the same ones he wore when he and Gray first arrived here on the bus together, all of which no longer resembled the colors they once were. His face was sunken and gaunt, with shadows from the noonday sun above them. Tolliver shook his head and placed his hands over his eyes, his body shaking. As he stifled his tears with audible sniffing, he spat once more of the brownish-orange sludge to the ground. Alone. Sick and killer. That's all I am now until I die. So I welcome death. Gray craned his neck to see where the bus was on its path. It was closer now. So much so, he began to see the outline of passengers through the window. He took a lasting breath, letting it go. Gray pushed himself up off the ground, standing straight up. Looking down into his hand, he cocked his arm back and threw the stone as far as it would fly across the air before them. We're tired, and we're sick. 
But I won't let you die alone. I understand the end comes for both of us as soon as that bus gets here. Gray turned around walking up to Tolliver, crouching eye level with him. Maybe it'll be quick. And maybe it'll hurt. Maybe we'll find heaven. And maybe, maybe we'll just disappear. The point is, we won't be here anymore. He grabbed both Tolliver's shoulders, shaking them into attention to look him in the eye. I love my daughter. But a thought occurred to me just now. She remembers me the way I was. Same as I remember her, not who I am now. And that's everything to me. Gray's voice was beginning to crack in sadness. Tolliver nodded his head and started to take heaving breaths as free tears flowed from the corners of his eyes. Gray began to quietly cry with him. Tolliver grabbed Gray's shirt collar, pulling him in, wrapping his arms around Gray's neck, and beginning to sob aloud as he embraced him. They'll remember us the way they were. Not now. Not now. Tolliver panted in reverence. No. Gray's response muffled into the shoulder of Tolliver's shirt. They won't see me as a murderer, a leper, when I'm gone, he whimpered. No. They will remember you. They will remember you as a father, a husband, son, and brother. Will I be forgiven? Tolliver whispered. They let go of one another, wiping their noses and regaining their composure. The desert wind cascaded around them from the sandy mountainside, whistling in their ears. You're a good man, Gray. Tolliver spoke quietly. You too. They held hands, bowing their heads in prayer. The metal bus growled, pulling up to the gate below the two men sitting on the hill. The gate creaked and shuddered open as the bus rolled in. Thank you again for listening. This was Elephant Graveyard, a short story by me, Tasha Wheelhouse. Please keep tuned in to this channel. Uh, the next story I'm hoping to uh, release is a short story based off of haunted experiences from a fan of mine in New Jersey, and I hope you guys will like it. Thanks so much, and I will see you soon.